0: It's been a while but we are back and we are live And tonight on the return as my guest settles in um, we are blessed to have a very special guest coming on to the set 6145 a gentleman that I've admired for quite some time probably as much as many of you Um, the comedian who has now changed clothes and is entering into the world of politics. Uh, tonight we're going to be speaking to him, Mr. Rodney red grant. This gentleman, I, I, I have a lot of admiration and respect for him because I feel like he's one of us. He's from the hood. He grew up, he made his bones. He, he climbed up from where he came from and created his own lane and made a, an immense career. Um, I might add i've seen him perform here in new york city with my wife at the nokia theater he's traveled with one of the legends in cat williams and his troupe. and mr grant has always given that feel of he's never lost touch of where he's from so when i saw the transformation of of mr grant moving over into politics i thought it was an amazing thing i respected it and you can see the look of determination of him really wanted to bring about change to his home city. So I'm not going to drag it on too long. We're going to run this introduction and then we're going to welcome Mr. Grant to the show. All right, let's go. Well,
1: about-
0: our intro got cut short. Sorry, people. In any event, good evening. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mr. A. And as I said, When we first started, tonight we're we're pleased to welcome a comedy legend who is now changing lanes and entering into the realm of politics, Mr. Rodney Red Grant. Now, if you don't remember who Mr. Grant is, everybody calls him Red Grant for short, Um, but he has done some amazing things in the comedy world. And there's a lot more we're going to get to know about him, and I don't want to give too much away. Um, So without further ado, tonight we want to welcome to the set, all the way from D.C., Mr. Rodney Red Grant. Hey, what up? <laughs> Good evening, brother. First and foremost, thank you for your time. Really appreciate it. We understand you're a busy guy, and uh, we always appreciate people when they carve out, you know, a little bit of themselves to, to give back to, to people in the community. So really appreciate you giving us your time tonight.
1: No, no problem, Mr. A. I appreciate you having me. Uh, it's truly a blessing to be on the show tonight, and I just want to uh, make sure we have a good old time. Oh, of course, naturally. <laughs> um, so I I don't want to
0: get – I want to give the people a little bit of everything. So I really uh, – I want to start at the beginning. Um, I understand that, that you just didn't, you know, go to school and graduate and then, you know, start breaking ground right out of high school. You actually went on to higher learning. You went to college. Um, are you, uh, do you have a bachelor's? Like what is your highest degree earned? How many letters do you have after your name? I guess is what I'm asking.
1: Uh, I went to, uh, I left high school and I went to Savannah State University where I played football uh, there with Shannon Sharp. Um, we had a fabulous time. Um, at Savannah State. I Scott Kaiboff at Savannah State University. Uh, and then I um, shout out to all uh, the brothers of Kaiboff side shout out to all the Greeks, shout out to all the Divine Nine, um, because it's so important, you know, that we stick together uh, and yeah. live out the true uh, meaning of what we play. you know, to get back to our communities, service our communities. Uh, and then I went, uh, I came back home, uh, and went to the University of District of Columbia mm-hmm. where I started working at the uh, Department of Recreation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started programming, um, doing the um, develop developing programming for the youth and coaching. And then at 19, during my uh, college career, one of my friends and my frat brother told me I should go on stage and, and tell jokes at an open mic. And I did that at a club called Mr. Henry's and six months later uh, I was found by uh, a brother named Bob Sumner, who was Russell Simmons right hand man who was a talented director and he put me on deaf comedy jam. So then I, I just went on to, to start my career. So at 19 years old, I got on deaf jam and did the Apollo and my career took off and I started working over at, um, BT for Teen Summit, and it's like my my life took on a new college. Right. Uh, I started producing shows for the for the network. I started hosting shows for the network, and the rest is kind of like <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's funny that it's funny because I just went back to uh, to UDC to take uh, a DC politics uh, class. Mm -hmm. And, you know, of course, I was the oldest person in in the class, (laughs) but I was. I feel like I was the smartest person in the class. Not as far as, you know, I was the smartest, but I know I got an A. I know I was (laughs) super serious, uh, super. (laughs) But everybody in that class was super uh, great students. And I wish I had the same drive as I do now as far as with college and education. As I did then, but I guess God had like a, a higher purpose for me. Right. So my education came a lot when I left school. I was able to learn so so much about not only life, but just educate myself, and truly and uh, vastly in a lot of ways. Yeah, the
0: on-hand knowledge. I was just speaking to the gentleman because this our studio is located within a community center as well in my mm. old neighborhood in Sunset Park, Brooklyn. Nice. And, um,
1: we Shout work. out to Brooklyn. Shout yeah, out to Brooklyn. Salute. I used to I used to live I used to live in Brooklyn, so I always got you know where'd you live in I, Brooklyn? I lived in Fort Greene. Green. Oh
0: so oh well now that you've seen Fort Green, salute to your fellow comedy compadre who is on Flatbush Misdemeanors, who was actually on the show, Mr. Kareem Green, who's from Fort Green.
1: Good yeah. brother, funny brother. Yeah. Um I, I, I stay with Donnell Rollins and, and Royale and you know. Wow. Up there in uh, Fort Greene, so we used to have some like, good old times in mm-hmm. Fort Greene. You can't, Fort.
0: ain't no place in New York like Brooklyn. Brooklyn Man, is its own world.
1: It is so, it's, its own world. You know, I lived in New York for five years, so, mm-hmm. you know, New York was like my home for a long time, you know, it, it, it definitely bred me. After I left uh, uh, Fort Greene, I moved uptown to 145th or St. Nick. Oh, and then 110th and uh, Manhattan, I, I, you know, I've been all over New York.
0: Now, let me ask you, because we're speaking about that. I'm assuming that was in the 90s when you were living in New York. Yeah. Oh, see. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you, what foundation was set for you to be able to handle yourself as a 19 year old gentleman to being so mature and handling all these different changes in your life? You know, you just didn't go off the rails you know you alluded to the fact that when you were in school you wish you had more focus but even at 19 to be leaving home to go and try to make a life for yourself you know you had you probably had a solid household
1: behind you yeah, i mean I, I would say i was i was focused in school mm-hmm. um because i was able to maintain you know my 3.0 and, mm-hmm. and you know pledge you know and you know have a good time but um I just felt like when I got out of college, I was able, I think I was thrust into a, uh, a situation where I had to be focused. When you're that young and you're living in New York city, you know, you can't just be in New York city. You just, you know, you know, every night I had to go out and try to make, uh, at least $75, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I had to get on every stage, you know, New York was the only place that you can go and you can get on three stages in one night. Yes, sir. So, you know, you know, a lot of, a lot of learning is work ethic. You know, a lot of times, you know, people don't give you the credit that you deserve just for your work ethic. Right. Uh, And my foundation of work ethic was my mother and my father, you know, they, they both had strong work ethics. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: um, I think that's super important, no matter what you're doing in life, you know, some people are going to go on to college and some people are not, but you can never lose that work ethic. You can never give up on, uh, how important it is to get up and grind every day yes sir. because, you know, it's, you know, sometimes people want to wait for it to come to them, but you know, you know, you, all of us have, you know, well, most of us have an opportunity to give up, get up and grind. So I just think that, you know, living in New York, I, DC and New York people to me, are yeah. the most, they grind hard, bro. Like they, they, they leave it all on the court. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, no matter how they get it, you know, they they leave it all on the court. So, you know, just work ethic and in itself is super important to me.
0: I think that's an, an incredible message uh, while we're having a conversation, because I think that today's youth and uh, you spoke about how you were reaching back and, you know, in sports. And I think that's a very natural progression for somebody like yourself to go from student athlete to then coming back to your hometown and actually trying to help the youth through sports, because it's. You know, you're in that zone. Right. But Mm -hmm. um, I think that it it speaks to even a lot of the athletes that we've had on the show. A lot of the athletes that we had on the show spoke to that, the work ethic. And that's what I think is missing today. And I think that like it transcends into discipline. A lot of our young people don't have that discipline. It's they want they want the end result. They don't want the work. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, you know, it, it's sad because we're not getting that to them. A lot of young people today are, are lost in that mix. Like they want they want so much, but that grind isn't there, right?
1: Well, well I mean, I, I would say it like this, you know, we have to find a way to implement discipline back into our communities, right? That's uh, so and that's not a bad thing. You know, when no. I say that, you know, people like, well, you know, you can't beat your kids. You can't whoop your kids. I'm not. I, I'm not saying it. discipline and, and whooping your kid is two different things. Two different. You know, our parents were a little different. They felt like discipline came with. You know, if you out of line, you corrected in a certain way. But there's so many different ways to correct. Um, I was at the Shaw Community Center in Washington D.C. the other day, and the way they teach the students discipline is so incredible. It's like almost um, um, military. but it's not like that heavy. It's not as, you know, like that, but they are teaching the, um, the basic, uh, skills of discipline that you need to, uh, make it in life. Right. So, you know, and I feel like we have to continue to teach our kids discipline at a young age, uh, respect, love, care, discipline, these things, you know, help communities be better. Yes, sir. Because if you don't teach discipline and on whatever level, you know, we become a, a community that's just uh, are not connected in the same way. So, you know, you can't have some people have discipline and then other people don't have discipline. We all have to have a sense of one. right? And that's that's just, you know, us giving back at an earlier age to our communities and and Giving back to our, you know, our system of beliefs. Yes, sir. And and if you if you lose that system of belief, I feel like you just have a a, a community that's not structured. There's a vacuum. There's a is. void that needs filling. It is.
0: Now, I find it interesting, uh, Mr. Grant, because and, and I'm gonna keep calling you Mr. Grant until you tell me otherwise. I'm cool with it.
1: <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm I'm cool, whatever you call me. I'm gonna call you Mr. A, so it's all all right, good. cool.
0: <laughs> so um, as a fan, um I've always appreciated your comedy. Anytime I've ever seen you, um, you've made me laugh, and you've always had a very uh organic and original way of putting it together, you know. Being in New York City, I've gone to the Boston Comedy Club, you know, Madison Square, Nokia. I've I've, I've attended all these sort of venues. Um, and I look at your body of work and I say to myself, I wonder what happened to him to come away from comedy and say, I want to run for, for office. What is it that set it off inside of you to say, listen, I'm really going to do this. Because I have to say, when I saw you, I immediately took to comedy. I said, oh, Rez doing something new. And then I said, oh, wait a minute. No, he's serious. You know? So, so what was it that brought you to this place?
1: Um, I was called to, to, to this place. Okay. Uh, I think like any other part of my journey, I was steered toward there. Like even when I was in college, you know, some of the reasons that I had to come home and I had to lose my scholarships. And at the, at that time, you, you know, I felt like dad, you know, why me? Right. Uh, but when I, when I go back and look at the journey, I see how how God be putting it together,
0: the alignment,
1: <laughs> yeah, super alignment. Mm-hmm. So three and a, three and a half years ago, maybe almost four years now, I started this journey, and of course, it's about researching. Also, it's about getting in line um, with not only Him but also your family, and you know, of course, I had to talk to my wife, my kids. Uh, we were living in LA at the time, and of course, you can't live in LA and run for Mayor of Washington DC. Right. No matter if it's your hometown or not, you gotta, uh, you have to, you know, uproot your life and and make make a make a real decision. But I I think that as I started to get more involved with uh, service to my community, and like I said, you know. Just pledging itself, you know. I feel like, you know, sometimes we get involved with fraternities, sororities, but we don't really give back, right? Okay, so. You know, it, you know. Sometimes people do it for the fame and do it for the, you know, the letters. But I started really like looking into politics and, and why it wasn't more of us. Being involved with that, and as you know, and, and and when people say to me like you know Red, when I first saw it, you know, I thought you was joking, right? And I was like, why would you think that? Like, I, I, it shocks me. It shocks me that, that people thought I was like playing for some reason. And I'm like, I mean, w- was I playing when I started my my uh, nonprofit organizations? Was I playing when I when I was uh, you know producing 25 shows with a Viacom network? You know, was I playing when I became a humanitarian, and philanthropist and started giving back? And was I playing when um I made my first movie and started my first film company? You know, was I playing then and I and um, and, and then I started I had, to, I had to back up and not take it so personal. <laughs> yeah. yeah. To, you know, because some of my some of my partners would be like, man, don't take it so personal, right? I'd be like Nah, but they don't understand, we're not playing here. There's no joke, in you know, our community is real. You know, yeah. You know the, the the public safety in our community is serious. You know, D.C. has like some of the highest rates of murders in the world, and nobody's caring about the kids and our youth. And how do we get them back on track? And our, our, our affordable housing is not affordable anymore. I mean, I, I go off on them, and this is real things for me. Right. We can't even live in our cities anymore. You know, places that we grew up, we can't even live because people are uh, selling our city to developers and, and gentrifying our cities to the point where we can't even live in it, we can't even afford it. I mean, mm-hmm. this is a problem. Uh, you know, our homeless problems, real people who are our citizens are living on the ground and living in tents and nobody's caring about this. Like that our education system is failing us. Our, um, our kids and I go off and on and on and on and on, and they like, I read this to relax. I'm like, I can't relax. <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe you can relax. I can't relax. Right. This is this is a real situation that our kids are failing, and we are failing them. And you know, I mean, every day I've been fighting like that for like four years, like trying to get people to understand that we need a leader that really, really, really cares about what the people are screaming at them. Yes, sir. Yes, I sir. mean they they screaming at them, like telling them I'm hurting. Right. And I and our leaders are like, huh, it's all right, we're we give them some fluff. We'll fluff them around and mm-hmm. you know and it is not a fluff situation anymore.
0: Right.
1: It's real problems happening. With no know, solutions.
0: Exactly. I, at, at this point, um, I'm, I'm under the impression that you and I are probably in the same age bracket. And okay. if, you, if you've experienced the same things I have, um, especially New York and D.C. being so somewhat parallel, they're pretty much the same place, so to speak. Right. Um, and when you speak about these issues, you and I both know it's never been fluff. It's never been fluff for us. We've never needed fluff. We need boots on the ground and action being taken. And right now, New York City is suffering, is suffering with the same situations. And it it sort of uh, annoys me to a point because it's like it seems like we're 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 electing personalities like, oh, this guy sounds great. No action. Oh, this woman sounds great. No action. It's nothing for our communities, I guess, is what I'm driving at. And I think that somebody like yourself who's so invested in your city, um, you can hear the way you speak. The passion is there. Um, And it doesn't seem like you have a half step in your life. I mean, like I said, going back to your first point, being 19 and moving to New York and and having to make $75 a night performing on multiple stages, you know, you probably got 20 here. You got to go get 15 over there. Running around the city is not easy. You know, you got to deal with that in and of itself. Mm -hmm. So now you're in this place and your your path has somewhat been, you know, aligned, as we said. And do you have the ability now to sort of bring people together as a collective? Because as I understand it right now, D.C. is about 48.8 percent, I believe, black people. Right. Mm -hmm. And there's about 47.3 percent of white folks and there's about 11 Point whatever percent of Latinos how are you uh, able to bring those people together under that one idea of you know I'm not going to be just their mayor I'm going to be our mayor but I'm going to be attacking these issues that are affecting us
1: uh well I think that it goes back to like when I say to people like you know I'm not a politician I'm a humanitarian You know, they they always jump on my throat. They like, well, Red, you are a politician now. You're a politician. I'm like, understand what I'm saying to you. It's all right to be a human and be in a field where you work. You know, yeah, you might call it politics. You might call it, but it's you gotta have human elements to these situations because if you if you once you lose the human element of that then that's when you become these politicians that just hit you with the, okay, yeah, we talk to my, or do, yeah, we, yeah. And it becomes like a bunch of BS that, you know, that don't make sense. And most people who know me know that I get along with everybody. You know, I'm able to understand every situation that's going on in my city, no matter what color you are. Yes, sir. Yeah, I grew up in southeast Washington, D.C. Majority. I probably didn't see white people till I was a certain age, you know, in real life. Uh, Went to school with all black people and everything. But then as God moved me out of that situation, he also introduced me to other things, other people, other cultures. And this was super important for my life to be able to understand other people and be comfortable with those uh, relationships, uh, and I think it's very important that we, we continue to build those type of relationships. Like someone said to me the other day, "Well, you won't be able to get to the white people." I'm like, "What? White people are my friends too." Yes, sir. Black people are my friends too. Africans are my friends. Asians are my friends. Muslims, Christians, um, Jewish, uh, Indians. Mm. I mean, I have friends of all races, creeds, colors. I, I just hate when people try to put us under a a box
0: yeah.
1: of learning and understanding. And, you know, it's, when, when people call things racism, I look at it differently. I look at things as um, lack of culture. You know, people don't get a chance to come into where your community is and learn how things are. Or you don't go into somebody else's community and learn how they are, and it's a separate, separate, uh, separation of cultures, not just, you know, a race. It's of cultures, and we got to get out that mindset, because if we don't, we would we, we'll never be able to help one another to the fullest of our, our potential. Yes, sir. And I won't allow people to put me in a box, and they know that. They know that you can't tell me. Who I can associate myself with, or who I can help, and I can only be able to help this person and that person. That's not going to happen with, with Red Grant. Mm. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna face the problems head on together. And, and I work every day hard as hell in this campaign, knocking on everybody's door from War Eight all the way to War One. And we get up, we, we wear shoes out. Knocking on doors.
0: <laughs> Them Stacy Adams is don't, worn vans. down to the nub, huh?
1: Vans, you know, vans. <laughs> well, how vans. hard it is to to run out some vans. Yes,
0: sir. Yes, sir. You know, these
1: are skater shoes. Yes, they are <laughs>
0: That's exactly what they are. They built for that. Yeah. Oh, so it, it sounds like to me um that you have a very strong understanding of the language that you need to speak. It needs to be a universal language.
1: Yeah.
0: And it seems like you're you're coming from a very real place. You understand wholeheartedly that the problems that affect some should affect us all, and we need mm-hmm. to collectively get it together so that we can help each other. And I think that right now um, a lot of people are, are delu- they're under this delusion that politicians, career politicians, are really in place to help them. And, and I see somebody like yourself who speaks with such passion and such fire about what he wants to do is there a moment in time that you feel in your heart any doubt about what you're doing right now or do you feel like this is like ordained like God has put this on my life so this is what I'm going to do and it's going to happen
1: oh, I I've, I've never had a doubt like since I got into it I'm I'm just that type of individual once once he, once he pushes the button you know I go all out um but I never had a doubt uh, he he gave me the vision super clearly um, and once I understood the vision, I understood, you know, where I was going, he started placing the right people in my life, smart, super smart people. Um, and I think I have the, well, I know I have the smartest team, uh campaign team right now around me. Um, I have real politicals that have been doing this for years on top of years and, The things that I didn't know, I know now, Um, as far as, you know, politically. Right. Because I feel like, you know, my background um, really taught me how to become uh, a good politician. Right. And I say that in a way that, you know, entertainment is political, has always been. always (laughs) always <laughs> regardless if you if you see it or we're not you know what they call the normal politic politicians but you know it takes uh political moves to get through this uh entertainment business yes sir and if you you know you want to be the best at what you do you got to work hard at it you got to make the right connects you can't burn bridges you got to work with everybody um uh, and you got to bring on your own policies. That's what we talk about on stage. They got our own policies. And I think I've been creating policies for a long time, not even knowing I was creating policy. Mm. Um, talking about, you know, moms being, you know, a single mom, a single parent. You know, how did she get through that? How did my pops do, do what he was doing? How do my kids go through what they go through? How do my wife go through what she go through? Uh, It's always family oriented and it's always policy driven. You know, Mm -hmm. I've I've been broke. I've been rich. Um, I've been homeless. I've had poor education. I have great education. Um, And I've, I've been in situations where I understood that it's not affordable to live um no this is real things sleeping on people people couches sleeping in my car uh, he has given me every opportunity to see everything mm-hmm. you know been homeless you know and uh you know I I always say God is the funny one he always show you exactly what you need to see yeah to be able to deal with the things that you have to do do you do so, you feel do you
0: feel sorry to cut you off but no no I, no I definitely have to ask you this do you feel like the lessons in life of adversity that you've experienced short of, sort of much you know prepared you for this moment that you're in now
1: well i know it has you know <laughs> that's why i said he funny because i'm able to experience things that you know, some people will never see in their life, and I mean, directly see it, like with my own eyes, firsthand. You know, yeah, this, you know, I've seen, you know, even through family, you know, drug addictions and you know, real life things that are happening in our in our community right now. Mental health, mm-hmm. uh, that's happening directly in our communities right now, and this ain't nothing that I I think I know about. I've seen it. Yes, sir. You know, and, you know, my wife is actually a retired police officer. I was seeing, you know, public safety on a firsthand basis inside of my home. Just like, you know, come my wife coming home and telling me and talking to me and just dealing with our youth right now that our troubled youth is a real situation. Gun violence is real out here. You know, and our kids are right on the. On that fence so they can go either way. And I want them to go this way. You know, so even me running as an independent is all strategic.
0: Ooh, I'm glad you said that. That was gonna be my next question. So you're not aligned with either party. Mm -mm. Good for you. I'm sure we're we're
1: not we're not left, we're not right, we're straight, we're going straight forward. There you
0: go. I'm sure you're getting a lot of pushback because. If you're not down with the system, they, you know, nobody gonna okay. try to throw no money your way. They know you can't no. really be bought. You know yeah. what I mean?
1: They want. They wondering why? Well, how are we still in the race right now, and not being able to raise millions and millions and millions of dollars? Mm. And they like, how does he do this? How mm. does he have the same material that we have? And and we raising five six million dollars. Mm. You know, it, it, it's. And I I always tell people, it's about the grind. Sure. It's about getting out there in people's faces when you don't have any money. You still got your legs. You still can go and move. Move. Don't let nobody stop you because and get you in a depression state like, oh, we don't have millions of dollars. Nah, but we got more heart than they got.
0: That's a fact.
1: No. We got the experience. Yeah. And running as an independent is something I had to do. You know, I've been a Democrat my whole life and I will say I'm still a Democrat, but, you know, I'm running an independent party, you know, no party affiliation, nonpartisan. I want to be able to reach my Democrats, my Republicans, state statehood, Green Party, independents, and any other person who lives in our society that might don't even believe in politics. Right. i want them to have a voice too and we have to have someone that can reach on all sides of the aisle especially if we want statehood in our in our city
0: wow that's a big issue another good segue
1: do you you feel that dc is long overdue for statehood way long overdue i'm just saying we we way long overdue for not only statehood Way long overdue for our voting rights, our real voting rights uh, yes, in Congress. Yes, sir. You know we don't have any representation in in Congress. Yeah, you know, we have shadow senators. We have um, Congresswomen that that can introduce uh, laws, but we can't vote on them. Mm. I said that's. I mean that's a shame. We have almost eight hundred thousand people, almost a million people are in this city, more than some states. And we don't have statehood, and we pay higher taxes than anybody per capita seventeen point four percent tax. Wow, we pay that. Right, the people who live here, but we don't have no right to vote, no voting rights. And and the way Congress is working now, if the if the Republicans get a hold of this in not in November, they probably will take uh, our voting rights down to a minimum. You know, mm-hmm. we, you know, we probably will go to a point where, you know, we won't have even a mayor or a council members at all. So, you know, this is a serious situation for us. Very you know?
0: much so. Very much so. No, you
1: know, in, in 1867, you know, black men got their uh, opportunity to vote in Washington, D.C., right? hmm. Seven years later, because of the strength of what we were, um, our voting power, we were making so much difference that they said, forget anybody can vote. They took voting away all the way from every citizen in Washington, D.C. It okay. didn't come back until 100 years later in 1974. But we got, yeah, well, you know, well, we got our opportunity to to vote again and you know that's why we live under home rule partial rule yes, sir. they call it home rule but it's partial rule and it you know we're still like a we're still like a a hidden colony
0: <laughs> you guys are tucked away like the stepchild
1: yeah we're super tucked away in a city where all of the decisions of our country are being made and not only that the money that's flowing through DC
0: all the financial and economical decisions that are made there.
1: Well, see, that's what they do. They think they're going to give us a little money for our budgets that we don't spend properly. hmm And we're going to say, okay, we'll go away. You know, we'll hide. We won't say nothing. Nah, it's some loud voices around here. And a lot of the things that we talk about and that I talk about, um, you know, people say, well, Rez, you know, you need to be quiet. No, I don't need to be quiet. I won't be quiet you know, I can't be quiet. My grandmothers and my great-grandmothers and their grandparents, they, wasn't, they were silenced by whips and chains and, and different ways of uh, stopping them from, from talking. Mm-hmm. Jim Crow, and we're in a situation where we have a voice and we won't use it. I think that's ridiculous.
0: I think that more people uh, today uh, feel like when you go outside of the the norms, the accepted norms, whether it be politically or or what have you, there's a lot of blowback and pushback and they're scared of that. They want to go along and get along. Mm -hmm. Then you have people like yourself that are willing to take on the fight and the challenge and step to the plate and face it head on. And I think that's the the most admirable part of what you're doing because, again, when I initially saw you uh, in a promo for for, you know running for mayor, I was like, oh, I gotta watch this. I think Rez, you know, got some new sort of you know material he's doing. And when I saw you were serious and I heard you speak, because again, I'm coming from the lens of or the perspective of comedy. I've I've never seen a serious side of you. So to see you sitting here right now having this exchange with me and you have this very focused look on your face, I'm not used to it. I'm used to seeing the funny, right? So it took me aback But once I sat and listened to you and I saw how committed you were to what you were doing, I was like, wow, you know, this is a wonderful thing for his city. It's a great story on top of it all. You know, the the prodigal son, the prodigal son returns home and runs for mayor becomes mayor of his city. And it's a great story, but he also has a very laser sharp focus on what it is that he wants to do for the city. He's not going to, you know, mess around.
1: Well, most people like, I, let's go through our, our comedians, right? In life, right? Off stage, let's go off stage, because ten percent of my life, yeah, I tell, I, I make people laugh, right? But ninety percent, I don't, right? Let's go, Dick Gregory, ooh, okay. Mm-hmm. Let's start Dick, right? When they off stage, us, we talking about off stage now? Yes, sir. Let's go, Richard Pryor. Mm. Let's go, Red Fox. Oh yeah. I'm talking about off stage. Let's go Dave Chappelle. Beast. Let's go Cat Williams, off stage. Smart. And I can go on and on and Chris Rock, I can go on and on and on and on, down the line of all the comedians that are comedians that are are super um, successful. Who are they off stage? Yeah. So why do people think that we're some clowns or something? And why don't they think that it's a joke when we're off stage, when we're helping and we're doing things? That's why I told people I'm retiring from comedy. I don't, I don't tell jokes. I'm not a comedian. Don't call me a comedian. I'm retired. So it's just like we use. A, if you're a bus driver and you've been working all your life and you retire, you're not a bus driver anymore. If you, Whatever you do in life, if you retire and you say, I'm retired, take my retirement serious. I'm not a comedian anymore. I'm running for the office of mayor of Washington, D.C. That's what I do. I do it on a daily basis. November 8th will be history in Washington, D.C. It will be the Super Bowl of elections. The general election will be the biggest election in American history in Washington, D.C. on November 8th. And the 275,000 people who did not vote in the last general election will come out and vote and their voices will be heard and they will choose a new candidate and I will be the first independent candidate of Washington DC to be mayor of Washington DC.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, you heard that here first. Uh thank you for joining us today. I'm your host Mr. A Mr. A and tonight we're speaking with the retired comedian Mr. Red Grant. And I think he's delivered a message in a way that I sort of was expecting. Um, But to be here in this moment, sharing it with him and listening to him, I think it hit me a lot more. Uh, His message is more impactful than I than I really expected. Um, And and I respect uh, Mr. Grant's uh, passion. And I think it's an amazing thing what he's doing. And I think that he's laying the groundwork to really make a change. And everybody should be behind him. I mean, especially the people from the from the parts of this country that we all come from should definitely get behind and support what he's doing. And all the people in DC, you need to get behind your hometown hero because Mr. Grant really understands what needs to get done in the city. And I'm sure he is well aware of what he needs to do to, to handle the finances and the runnings of, of the city, you know, the economy itself. I really don't think he's going into this blind um, well, I'm
1: the only one, I'm the only one in this race that has actually have been has been an executive. I'm the only one who's worked for the Viacom Network, one of the biggest corporations in the world. They've entrusted me to employ thousands of people, work with millions of dollars in budgets, and produce 20, over twenty five television shows for them. They entrusted that in, in me. You know, this is not they don't just put that in people's hands. That that doesn't happen like that. Well, so sorry. When it comes to understanding that D.C. is a corporation and it does have to uh, have a big budget and has to have someone that runs, uh, understands how to run a budget, not just hires a person to understand, but understands themselves and hire a person at the same time to understand how to run our our city. And that's been the problem. We have too many legislators trying to be uh, executives and they don't know anything about running the city. And that's that's why we right now have been named the worst run city in America. Mm. That's us right now. It just came out. We are the worst run city in America. Yeah, Red Grant said it. We are the worst run city in America. And we're going to change that. And our our, our administration are going to come in and make sure that we're not the worst run city in America. We're going to be one of the best run cities in America. And we're going to change things around where people see us and want to. Mimic us, how a city should be run. You know, I think that's where we're. We, I know that's where we're. Where we're going, and we're gonna make people say, "Damn, they made a super flip by putting one person in in place who understood how to make other people and help bring up things in, in our city that that means something and give back to our city." You know, this is. I mean, this is low hanging fruit. A lot of these things that that we're missing, right? The, how to get our you know, get funds to our communities, <laughs> you know. And I and I, everybody who knows me, I'm always about, you know, preaching, let's get out and get it, let's go get it. But sometimes people need a little help, yes, sir, you know,
0: and that's and okay,
1: getting, yeah, it's okay, you know. But once you get getting the help and you pushing toward trying to get, you know, something for your family and and move in the right direction, you know. That should be glorified That should be, you know, put on the pedestal. It's a lot of kids go to school every day with no money in their pocket, have no um, finances, you know, no parental guidance or nothing, and they go and, and get good grades and and, and fight through the system. They should be, you know, rewarded. They should be put on pedestals and pushed and helped. We get $150 million a year in camera tickets, and none of them goes to kids' college education when they graduate. Wow. I mean, these these are real numbers.
0: Yeah. And the funny thing that you brought – I'm glad you brought that up um, about uh, speed cameras. We have an issue in New York right now where the speed cameras are about to be turned on 24-7. So that means that the – They've been
1: turned on 24-7 here. Oh, really? Yeah. They've been – it's absurd. Years, years and years. Stop sign cameras, speed cameras, light cameras, Bush's cameras. We got cameras, so many cameras. I feel like it's like a uh, a photo album happening.
0: <laughs> a surveillance state. And you know, know, it's it's, it's super surveillance.
1: And it's, and it's to a point that it doesn't just affect uh, people with money. It's affecting the people with no money more than it affects people with money. And these tickets are $100 a ticket. You don't pay it, it's 200 Then it triples, and then you have to lose your license. Then you can't go to work. Then you can't do things. Man, that has to stop. We have to have a a system where, you know, you can't penalize the people that live in Washington, D.C. just to get uh, the money.
0: I think that's a part of the issue. Um, People don't understand how strong their voices are, Mr. Grant. Right now, in New York City, they're about to turn these cameras on 24-7, and the speed limit is 25 miles an hour. In a city as large as ours, how are you supposed to get anywhere? You know, I understand the safety issues and so on, but right now, you know, inflation is happening. People are having a hard time keeping food on the table, let alone putting gas in their car. So essentially what I'm saying is the government continues to crush the working. And the working poor, like how are we supposed to get beyond that? It does, it just like doesn't... New York,
1: New York been New York been New York for all this time, right? Yes, sir. People know one thing about New York: people know how to drive in New York. It's a New York system. Yes, sir. You actually are slowing the way you're slowing down the way people move in the city when you do things like that. Yes, sir. To do what? Like who? Like I, I, of course you got to care about safety, but. Some of this stuff, it ain't. It's not becoming less safe. Yes, sir. With these systems being employed, you know. So, what's the what's? Is it for accolations or you know? I, I need to. Yeah, I, I I made I created a bill and yeah. we got it done. We are the one who made people drive 18 miles per hour in New York for what?
0: <laughs> Optics. <laughs> yeah, we made for- it made it look like we did something. Or we did what? Like
1: like New York is New York. That's like saying, okay, we're not gonna have we're gonna have our trains go two miles per hour because we don't wanna hit rats.
0: (laughs) Yeah man. Yeah.
1: I mean it's like sometimes we we create problems with certain things. And Everybody wants to be powerful and important. That's why I always talk about purpose over popularity. It's too many people want to be popular instead of understanding the purpose. Yes, What's sir. the purpose of it? Tell me the purpose. And don't just say safety. Well, safety. No, nah, it's bigger than that. You and know,
0: It's refreshing to hear somebody like yourself speak because it sounds like you're more about the substance. You're more about helping the people and actually doing the people's work which is the reality of government or supposed to be they're supposed to be doing the people's work and it doesn't there's no way anybody could tell me over the last 20 years that you feel like the government's actually working in your best interest Mm -hmm. it's just not right look at all the problems we have they don't seem too bothered about them these you know we're
1: talking about people that are millionaires What's Man, that? they they lose their passion when they get in office, right? And mm. people keep saying, you know, Red, well, don't change when you get in office. Somebody actually said to me the other day, and you know, I got I got I have to hold back my my you know, I would say my passion because I'm I'm really straightforward in, in your face once you say something. Um, but they was like, you know, Red, what you coming back home to run for mayor to get money? I said, I'm losing money running for mayor of Washington D.C. Hello. I'm actually losing money i not, I didn't come home to get money to, no, that's, I, I don't want people to have no false um, thinking of why I came and, and running for med. Then somebody said, well, what you clout chasing? I said, clout chasing? I've been famous since I was 19 years old. I don't need no clout.
0: <laughs> yes, sir. Clout
1: is the last thing, that's the last thing I need. Yes. I don't need clout. Clout doesn't help anybody. That's why I'm gonna continue to say purpose over popularity and I'm gonna continue to fight for the people who can't fight for themselves. And if they don't like it, they don't like it. So what? I am came in this system to stir this system up and we're gonna change the system. We're gonna help the system and we're gonna make the system a better system. And we're gonna bring better morale to our system. Morale is the key. Working morale is the key to pushing and give people the opportunity to be great. Right now people are suffering and they don't feel like the government cares, and I don't feel like the government cares. And that's why I'm home. And that's why I'm doing what I do.
0: Well, all right. Let me let me say this. Um, you I, I wanna ask for a bit of a promise. Mm-hmm. Come November, if and when you win, you have to clown. You have to, you have to like, you really gotta clown your competition. You even just for a minute, just Just roast them a little, just a little bit. You know what I mean? Just, you know, get at them just a little
1: something. I mean, I can't make that promise, but I'm going to smile real hard. No,
0: for sure, for sure. Uh, There's that laughter. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, um, my guest has been gracious gracious enough to uh, give us his time. I do not want to hold him any longer. Um, I hope everybody enjoyed tonight's show. Mr. Grant, let me let me say something to you Um, as a fan. I've always loved your work, but as a a man, a father and a husband, um, I respect what you're doing. And I and I hope wholeheartedly that in November you win this election. Right. And I also hope that at some point during your tenure, I will be able to come down to D.C., even if it's 10 minutes and witness firsthand what you're doing because I would Man. really like to see the work that you're, you're going to be putting down in your hometown.
1: Now, I appreciate it, Mr. A. Look, I always, I'm going to tell people like this, you know, I, I, I got to get this off. And I, I end with this it's super important that you, GOTV, um, get out the vote wherever Stop. you are in, in the world. Stop talking yeah. about, well, I can't make a change. Yes, you can make a change. Your vote does matter, your vote does count. Um, and we have to change our mentality around that because if we keep that mentality, they will continue to win. They will continue to keep their foot on your neck. And you know, we, we're able to get up off that ground with our votes. Uh, and it's super important. So I always tell people go to GrantFromAyorDC.com, you know, hit the donation button, donate. I don't care if it's $5, you know, help us as an independent can- candidate. Uh, or max donate if you can. Uh, Make sure you, if you're not registered to vote, you can register on grandformanddc.com and use your power. Don't sit, don't just like be the one to say, I'm going to, uh, I I can't make a change. It's never going to happen. Yeah, you can. Let's try, you know, get up and try.
0: Yes, sir. All right. Listen, um, Mr. Grant, I'm going to get all that information you just laid out, I, I'm going to get it uh, from you. And uh, that's going to go up on our page, our Instagram. It's also going to be heading on over to Social Nostra. This this interaction, this show is going to be on Social Nostra the following week. We have a huge audience over there. So hopefully we can get out some people to support you. Um, but I, what I want to do right now is can I put you in the green room for a sec so I can close the show out? Yeah. Just two more minutes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, the next mayor of D.C. and you heard it here first on the set six one four five, Mr. Rodney Red Grant. Just sit tight, sir. Hi guys. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope everybody enjoyed the show. It's a wonderful way to return. Um, Mr. Grant is just an amazing person, gracious enough to give us his time, and uh, we really appreciate it. Um, I hope everybody enjoys a nice week coming up. Enjoy the rest of your summer, and uh, we'll be back next week, all right?